With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to Across the Pond Sports Podcast, part of the Across the Pond Sports Network. Um, got a great show lined up for you. Ryan is back for our NBA show and we have Tyler Small back as well. Great to have him back. Um, did a show a couple months back uh, with Ryan when it was just Ryan on his own. Um, so it's really good to have uh, Tyler back. Um, if you want to connect with us on social media, AT, at ATP Sports Pod on Twitter, um, across the Pond Sports Network on Facebook and Instagram and on Clubhouse. Um, we're on there as well at ATP Sports Pod. Um, so do get in touch with us um, and all those mediums. Um, and also um, the hosts of the shows are on there as well. So you can follow along with them, follow their shows. Uh, whether that be Across the Pond NHL podcast or this one. Um, coming in mid-March, um, we're going to launch Across the Pond MLB podcast. That's coming soon. We've got some hosts lined up for you, which are awesome, um, both sides of the pond. Um, so looking forward to that. Um, this podcast is going to continue to bring you the NBA throughout the season um, and also and we're going to have some kind of longer interviews uh, with some people. We've got one coming up later this week um, with a, a stage four cancer survivor who's going to cycle across America because that's what you do, I guess. Um, but it's a really nice story um, after the fact. And uh, uh, he's going to be cycling across America in June uh, for five days uh, from San Diego to Maryland. So um, that is going to be... Um, an uphill task, I have to say. It's not something I would fancy doing myself, uh, but he's doing it for a great cause. Um, so looking forward to, to having that interview on our podcast very soon. We'll put some social media stuff about it as well. Um, other than that, um, by all means, do get in touch with us uh, on our socials. Um, drop us any questions you might have as well. Um, apart from that, let's just get on with the show.
Okay, so we are back. Uh, Ryan Doherty is here as always. And we have with us returning uh, Tyler Small. Now, Tyler, last time you were on the show, um, I was off doing the NFL. Um, so it's very. I am very happy to have you back for a second time around. Um, what have you been up to? Uh, same old kind of... I'm still working for um, the ESPN Plus broadcasts of LaSalle Explorer Sports. So with that going on, the spring sports have started, but because of the pandemic, the fall sports have leaked into the spring. So it's been a very interesting start of February with a lot more outdoor sports than there should be in these 30 degree days. But but it's been good. It's been good. Awesome. Um, Ryan, what have you been up to? Just working away. You know, still teaching, still teaching from home, so it's keeps me busy. Still teaching from home, yeah. I think we're still feeling locked down both sides of the pond, um, in various different ways. And hopefully, now that the vaccine's here, then uh, we can start hopefully getting back to some kind of normality. Um, as long as all these different variants from all these different countries um, don't don't kind of pave way for more lockdowns uh, in the future. I think we should be set. Um, talking about coronavirus this week, um, a big story came out from Jeremy Lin, um, spoke out. Um, uh, he's currently with the, the Warriors G League team. Um, and it was kind of a, a heartfelt kind of plea from him. He um, mentioned um, that he'd kind of been called coronavirus, um, obviously, um, by the way he looks uh, more than anything else uh, but Golden State's coach Steve Kerr has pretty much went on the offensive, said it will support Lynn denounced any kind of discriminatory acts or uh, any kind of racism targeting Asian Americans and I mean I think for me when coronavirus first started everyone blamed the Chinese because it came from China um, and that that was kind of, I don't think there was any kind of racism behind it. That's just where it came from. Um, but I think now we're a year in, and Tyler, you've got to got to think a year down the line. There's all these different variants, like we, I just mentioned. Um, kind of got to get over China now, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a sad underlying problem that goes alongside of this, and. It, it just kind of stirs back because some of the things he mentioned that it's been years of them quote keeping their heads down like with comments made about slanted eyes or just comments about certain stereotypes against it's, it's an overall problem and for it to come out through this where the entire world has one united issue and it instead of uniting us all together it kind of splits us apart and blame game starts and finger pointing starts a year in obviously it should have been shouldn't have been a problem months in you know let alone to this depth of how far it's been so I hope that him speaking up like this and him being a very reputable face I mean growing up in the era of insanity I mean I remember I have a youth small t-shirt that's beaten up with the Knicks logo and insanity for me as a kid just living and experiencing that from the New York area. I mean, I've loved Jeremy Lin ever since that moment and just having a player like that who stepped up in a league where he was in the far minority of the league overall was very powerful and it was great to see and hopefully it could 
start a ripple effect uh, because this is more than just a basketball issue. It's an overall world issue. Yeah, I think we've seen um, in America over the last year and, and a bit beyond, um, racism has, has played a big part in the social ecosystem um, of not just America, but in the world as well. Um, obviously, you had a, quite a divisive um, president in the White House um, who did nothing um, to kind of calm things. Um, if anything, he incited it. Um, if you just look at what happened at the Capitol building. Um, but Ryan, Jeremy's come out, um, and I think one good thing from this is Steve Kerr has always been a stand-up guy in my eyes, um, even if he did hit that three against the Jazz in the finals. Um, but he, he has always been a stand-up guy, and I've always had a lot of respect for him. Um, you wouldn't expect any less from him, though, would you? Uh, definitely not. I mean, I think, like, seeing that as obviously Golden State were the kind of first team that gave Jeremy Lin his, his go around in the NBA, it's nice to see that they're giving him another shot, you know. Um, he obviously came out and spoke a little bit before he actually went over to, to China to go and play in uh, Beijing um, after, you know, winning the ring and, and the Raptors. And I think he was, he was really gutted that he didn't feel like he'd closed off his NBA journey. So him coming back and then experiencing this kind of response from playing in, in the G League was obviously very, very hard to kind of hear. Um, so it's good to see that people higher up are now looking at it and seeing uh, maybe we, we might actually have to put in some kind of restrictions and some kind of sanctions on all this kind of nonsense that's going on in the G League. Because I don't know if you've seen any G League games, but they are pretty, they're pretty brutal. It does remind me a lot of uh, our old National League Dev 2 games, uh, away games, that is against Dundee, etc. So it's, it'll be, I think it'll be really good for the sport and hopefully it'll lead to maybe a, a bit a bit of higher standard, standard, standard of play. Yeah, for anyone that doesn't know, myself and Ryan coached basketball here in Scotland when you could coach basketball. Um, and we uh, coached a, an under-18s team in, in Division 2 at National League. So we got to, to travel a bit. Um, but those games were pretty rough. Um, a lot of the time you'd be playing against rugby players in <laughs> many squads because a lot of teams just took anyone that was kind of semi-athletic. Um, one... What I, I laughed when I seen this because it's just um, so kind of classic of, of Greg Popovich. We're all flesh and blood. We're all just people, and that that's pretty much sums Greg Popovich up. He's he says it how it is. Um, he doesn't mince his words. Uh, he doesn't kind of BS anyone. And I think when you do get all these coaches coming out in the middle of a season, um, which is what we're in. And they're talking about a G League player now. Obviously, Jeremy Lin, Tyler, you alluded to it, was huge in New York. Um, and I remember Lin Sanity being just absolutely off the wall. And I, I am not a Knicks fan by any stretch. But even I was watching Knicks games because I was like, what's going to happen next? I mean, how far can he go? Um, and when I was gutted when Carmelo Anthony came back because I was like, oh, this is, this is not going to go well for, for Jeremy Lin. And yeah, he moved on and kind of got moved around the place a little. But when you have this kind of come out in the middle of a season, I suppose you get the news cycle for it. So it does kind of get brought to the forefront of people's minds. You're 100% right. And of course, it comes from the media market of the world or of the country, I should say. 
of New York. I mean, if this happened in Sacramento, it probably wouldn't have been as big of a story. So that obviously a lot played into it. It was a, it was, it was just a perfect matrimony of time because the factors of him playing so well, obviously him coming in for a star player of Carmelo Anthony, who had been ridiculed of not being able to get them to the promised land as the season started to heat up. I remember it was kind of the same amount of time as today of when we're talking. So kind of a dead time of sports, not much else going on other sport like competition wise. So for it to all happen together and for everyone to kind of unite through this, because he also got the benefit of having the, he had the Raptors game to kind of start. And then it went, if I'm not mistaken, the Nets Knicks game. So it already had that inner city rival kind of, and then it was prime time against the Lakers and Kobe. So it's, all about timing for it and i think that he's very beneficial things like that but at the end of the day the fact that he put up 30 plus in a week straight after recording what five minutes a game before then also is a pretty big factor yeah he was he was that linsanity run was pretty outstanding Mm -hmm. and i think um i think it will be remembered for a long long time i don't think anyone's gonna forget that in a hurry (laughs) Um, so that's that was Lynn Sanity, and obviously that was that's something that's been in the news quite a lot. Um, I think racism. I think we have to remember isn't just about um, white and black; it's, it's any ethnic minority as well. So, um, but moving on to to happier times, we've got the All Star Weekend coming up. Um, Ryan, talk us through the the All Star replacements. Yeah, so obviously we now know that, that KD's out, um, DeMontis Sabonis um, coming in for him. Uh, I'm not surprised by that. Um, Sabonis has been putting up some, some major, major numbers this year. And I thought it was a bit of a travesty that he wasn't included anyway. Um, although KD is a big name, sells a lot of tickets, sells a lot of jerseys, etc. Him being out so often this year, I don't think it warrants him being in the All-Star game. And I don't think it, it definitely warrant for me anyway, him being an All-Star captain. I think that was a bit of a kind of mockery of the whole kind of thing as well, just because it's his first year back, now meet him an All-Star captain. Give him the role of coach or assistant coach or something if you really wanted to honour him that way. Um, but obviously now um, Tatum becomes a starter. Um, good news for Tatum. He's kind of rediscovered a bit of his form. Um, he had a a few games there, he was really throwing up some bricks, so that'll be hopefully good for Tatum. And then the, the other big one that's that's kind of came out as well is uh, Devin Booker is uh, got to the All Star game. Probably a bit of annoyance to you guys. What? Well, why would it be annoyance to us? I, I'm assuming you mean the the Jazz, but yeah, yeah. I'm just I was just saying, like obviously you've got uh, Donovan and, and Rudy, but you were talking pretty confidently that you thought Conley was going to get there. I mean, I'd hoped that Conley would get there, but I think in reality, um, for a team to have three All-Stars is is pretty rare. It doesn't happen very often. Um, so I don't think it was a I don't think it was a big deal. I think the bigger deal was that Donovan didn't get a starting spot. I think that was probably the bigger deal for me. But I think you just have to deal with it when you're a small market team. Fair enough. Fair enough. But obviously, we, um, Booker's got this spot because the AD is going to be out. Um, now, both AD and KD's injuries are a little bit kind of in mystique. Are they being held up by their teams? Are they kind of playing up as, as a bit more than it is so they get a bit of rest? You know, both of them coming back from injuries in the off season. So 
that this is all kind of a bit of the mystique of how NBA teams operate these days, especially this really, really tight packed schedule. Um, Tyler, what's your thoughts on the on the All Star lineup? Um, just going off those replacements you kind of laid out. I love that Sabonis is trying to get the attention he deserves. He has career high right now, twenty one point four a game, eleven point four rebounds, and he's, I believe, third or fourth in total triple doubles on the season. So he's really been st- stuffing the shat- stat sheet in that factor. Don't know if I'd go as far as what you just said there, Ryan, that he's kind of an upgrade over Kevin Durant this season. I agree. Sometimes the popularity com- contest does come down to it. And I think there are some players that were s- slotted above others just because bigger name, bigger market. But I s- have been astounding to see what Kevin Durant's been able to do. But with that injury, I wouldn't be surprised if they were just holding him out for precautions. But on the other end of the spectrum, going towards the West, Devin Booker replacing Anthony Davis is, I think, a huge step up in player personnel. I mean, obviously, as we said, he's a bigger name, but trailing Devin Booker in pretty much every statistical category, including the two, when I look at NBA players and NBA All-Stars, I should say, I look for their for some of the advanced analytic numbers for their value over replacement players and their win shares. And Anthony Davis is on the season because he's had a tough start to the season. He had a 1.6 value over replacement and a 3.3 win share where Devin Booker's value over replacement was a little bit less with 1.5, but his 2.2 win shares collectively per game slotted above Anthony Davis. And it's just because as a pure scorer, it may trail in some aspects because he doesn't do all the other things Anthony Davis does both offensively and defensively, but just at the end of the day, being able to, put it together and put it, put up the numbers that you can, as we saw from last year's NBA contest in the one fifties. I don't think anyone's looking for huge defensive numbers. Of course, not talking about Rudy Gobert, don't worry, but just kind of those factors. They want to see people that can put numbers on the scoreboard. It is an all-star game um, and people don't like defense in all-star games. Let's be honest. The players don't like um, defense in all-star games. So I think, you know, and I think this year's all-star game with COVID and everything else going on, um, I think last week I I mentioned that I thought it was a pretty bad idea having an all-star game, bringing all these players from all around the country into one place. And um, it's going ahead, so you kind of have to deal with it. But um, I, I think... Now that it's happening, we know it's going to happen. I think it will be a nice kind of break um, to have some fun. I mean, the only the only event that I'm going to miss this year, um, and I watch it every year, is the Celebrity All-Star Game because it's usually just such a good laugh. And, like, you usually got Kevin Hart kind of jumping around the place like a little kid um, trying to win MVP, <laughs> uh, which is always usually fun. And you usually get a few heartwarming stories throughout the the broadcast as well um so i'm kind of i'm actually kind of gonna miss that this year um but kd being there i I, like you say it's a popularity contest at the end of the day was it zaza pachulia when he was at the yeah with with the warriors (laughs) like it almost almost got a starting spot um and and that was because the whole country of georgia was was voting for him Mm -hmm. um i don't think i've i've seen anything like that before or since. I don't know if Ryan, Ryan, you've seen anything like that. Uh, Tackle Fall almost got in, I'm pretty sure it was the yes. last year, um, which was insane. Uh, so it does happen from year to year. Um, he was even in the run. I'm pretty sure I've seen their leaderboards this year, and I'm pretty sure he was still quite high up in the leaderboards this year. 
and he's played even less minutes this year. So <laughs> that's you know that's that's my take on it. So there's always usually there's usually one, um, but I'm, I've, what I'm very surprised at is that um, Caruso didn't get more votes this year. Because obviously gonna... he's, he's actually playing better this year than he has ever done. So I was just going to mention Caruso. I always throw in Boban too. I think he is just such a beloved character that he is always going to collect some votes. I think as well, going back to the injuries, um, we noted on the in the NFL throughout the season that particular players would disappear. Um, and, you know, a lot of it was down to COVID, apparently. I'll say that in inverted commas. Um, and players would just kind of disappear. And then throughout the week, it'd be like, yeah, that player's not playing, that player's not playing. And then all of a sudden, he'd be playing on Sunday. And it meant that the defense had been ready to play against one quarterback and then suddenly they throw in the kind of normal quarterback and then you're kind of having to replan with like a day's notice um so I, I don't know if maybe the NBA coaches have kind of had a look at what was going on in the NFL um not that there was anything untoward going on in the NFL but I, I did have the conspiracy theory kind of running for a while because um, Ben Roethlisberger was was missing in action all week and then all of a sudden on Saturday, yeah, he's playing Sunday, he's absolutely fine. Um, so I don't know if maybe that's playing into it because the Lakers will make the playoffs regardless and they will most likely make the finals regardless um, as long as he is fit and healthy. And I think if he is, then you might as well just leave them out until closer to the time, give them some reps before the playoffs start and give them a good run. And, you know, at least then you know that you've given them extra time because we all remember what happened in Golden State with Durant and with Thompson. They weren't given enough time and they, they, they blew a championship. So you're basically, you're basically saying give them the Tim Duncan treatment. Fair enough. I'll go with that. That's that's one one way to go, um, but um, I don't know. It's it, it, it's a tough one. I think when it comes to injuries now, and it comes to big star players, I think Tyler, you've got to agree that I think teams are a lot more cautious now because um, they've seen what's happened to Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson. Those are two massive examples of how to really blow a championship. Yeah, and when I kind of talk on the subject I've always been a really outspoken hypocrite of the structure of the NBA playoffs because I am a firm believer that the more playoffs there are in a sport the less the regular season matters and the NBA is just going head over heels with this they already have over 50 percent of the league get into the playoffs every season and now they're doing this play-in style which I understand because of the COVID like pandemic and teams like the Heat, for example, we're going to get to in a little bit who were really slighted at the beginning of the season because of that, like giving them a fair chance if they were to be a borderline team. But that being said, if it starts getting towards the nines or tens per East and West, and then it's 20 of the 30 teams that have a legitimate chance at the end of the season to make the playoffs, then what does the regular season even do? So if that's the case, then if I were to have a frontal team, let's say the Lakers, and I have Anthony Davis with a potential lingering injury or a potential serious injury. We don't know as much yet, but if that's the case, why even play him throughout the season? Have Montrez Harrell keep stepping up the way that he has in point production. Same with Dennis Schroeder. Get those numbers off the bench. You're still going to win your games. And at the end of the day, 
whether you take that one to two seed over the Utah Jazz is going to be a bigger factor than not. But with not knowing what fan regulations is going to be like come the season with not knowing how playoff structure overall is going to be home court matters even less. So there's even less initiative to try and get these players back. And I don't think anyone's willing to risk it. Like you say. I I actually think that there's, there's one glaring obvious person that's willing to risk it. No matter how much their team is up, Tom Thibodeau, the man just knows no end. He will run a player until his legs literally fall off. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a, we, I don't know if you guys seen the game the other night, but um, New York were, were beasting on someone by about 40 points and they kept in Nerlens Noel, put back in Derek Rose, kept in Julius Randle. And you're like, guys, you have a game tomorrow night. What are you doing? <laughs> you're playing your three main stars 40 minutes a night for no reason. You've got to stop it. Like someone, someone in the next board needs to tell Tom, right, it's now time to play some young guys. You've got the game in the bag. It's fine. Move on. Next one. And that's why Brad Stevens and Steve Kerr's and coaching like that is flourishing right now where the old school coach in all four major sports, in all honesty, the scream until your face is red kind of coach, the 100% start to finish coaches, you just can't maintain that whether it's a 16 game NFL season or 162 game MLB season you as a professional you're doing this as you especially begin to age but regardless whether you're a rookie or a veteran you nobody really likes to play for that style of coach anymore the game has changed it's become more player driven especially in the NBA and why have a Thibodeau like that that could be demising the next even though they are above 500 for the first time since 2012 it obviously has been working so far, but that's more player than anything else. It's one thing I've never liked. Um, I, I think I was always fortunate as a kid. I had coaches that talked to you. I mean, the days of telling players to run through a brick wall and then running through a brick wall are, are long, long oh, past, e- even when I was a kid. Um, like George Carl, um, when he was with Seattle, he was kind of like that. He was kind of like, I've stopped shouting to players. It doesn't work you tell them to run through a wall and they, they now ask why. Um, so even he back then in the nineties kind of recognized that players are thoughtful and players have their own minds and they want to use them. Um, and I think, I think I've, as I said, I was always lucky. I had players that were quite uh, coaches that were quite thoughtful and kind of let us scheme and make plays and all these kind of things. So I was always very fortunate. Um, and I think coaches like Tom Thibodeau are a thing of the past. And I think I've never been a fan of Thibodeau. I like I, I like his defensive sets. I like the way he sets stuff up. He's very I'm, I like defense, and he's very defensive minded. But the way he just goes about it, and I, I think that's why he fails uh, in Chicago. I think that's why he fails in Minnesota. Um, and I I just don't think that there is a place anymore. I mean, you've even seen Van Gundy. Van Gundy was always very animated and everything else. But I think at the end of the game, he would go around and like put his arm around that player and be like, this is why I was shouting at you. Whereas I don't think Tom Top, uh, Thibodeau does that. I, I think he just shouts at a guy and just like, why aren't you doing it? <laughs> and then that's the end of it. Whereas I think other guys, um, you see Quinn Snyder. I don't, the only time I see Quinn Snyder kind of going off his nut is when refs make a bad call. 
Like he doesn't he doesn't go after his players. Um, and I think as well now, these coaches have to realise that the cameras are on them the entire game. So you can't be a dick, basically, <laughs> because it's just going to get spotted. It'll end up on YouTube and you're just going to look like a dick. So, yeah, I, I just don't think they can do it anymore. And I, just to quickly get to this point before we move on, I mean, going back to college basketball, whether last year or two years ago, Cassius Winston, the star for Michigan State, got an earful on one close play from Tom Izzo. And it became a whole debate online of whether this was appropriate for players. And Cassius himself even came out and said, I'm 100% fine with that. That just coached the player, heat of the moment stuff. And it's kind of weeding its way out, but there is a time and place for it. And I think true competitors will always understand that. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think as well, I think you have to think about the relationship the player has with the coach, but you just see, know that Thibodeau just does it all the time and has done it every team, whereas the Stan Van Gundy kind of way of doing it, yeah, he does it. And then, but you can tell like afterward, there's a respect, there's no back chat from the player. You can tell there's a bit of respect there because he obviously just kind of calms the situation down afterwards. A lot of things happen in sports in the in the heat of the moment. Uh, moving on to the heat, Ryan, you're you're Miami Heat. They you talk about them every week. You, you, they're the be- next best thing since sliced bread. Um, they're on a bit of a run. So can we cast our minds back to last week when you were very adamant that the Jazz were going to get one over on the Heat again? And I said Jimmy has a memory. Jimmy has Jimmy has a, a vengeance instinct on him. What did Jimmy do to you? I don't know. Did he win? Yeah, he seemed, he seemed to close out the game against you guys. And yeah, so that's 2-0 me. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm not surprised. Um, I knew it was coming. I knew the fact that once they got all our guys back in healthy, the fact that uh, Goran was back in the lineup, although Tyler wasn't in the lineup for, for that game, he was kind of working his way back into it. Um, it, it won't be long. In, in my mind, before they're kind of up there in the kind of fourth seed uh, and kind of battling to try and get the third seed. And, but it is a bit kind of disturbing to see that Jimmy's kind of taking a couple of nights off just now, obviously nursing a sore knee. Um, I'm very surprised he wasn't nursing a sore back after all the heavy lifting he'd done the other day. Oh, that's so harsh. I'm sorry, but which which team has single-digit loss column? Oh, yeah, that's, that's the Jazz. Oh, the only team in the NBA. Ah, it's not even, not, even, not, not even your buddy LeBron's helping you out there. It's the regular season. It doesn't matter. Well, it doesn't. It doesn't because if you want home court advantage to the playoffs, you know you want to have the best record. Although that yeah, didn't help well, us in the nineties. So, yeah. Be interesting to see what what they do for the the playoffs this year, um, especially with this um, these play in games because I don't think they've actually decided on if they're going to have neutral venues for these play in games or not. So I think that'll be quite interesting. Yeah, I'm not too sure about the the playoffs. I think I think the the neutral venues, like not a bubble, but like a neutral venue somewhere, um, because you probably it's probably unlikely that you're going to have fans, I think, or 
it'll be in limited numbers anyway. Um, so I think a neutral venue is probably probably sensible because um, then neither team. I suppose you you're playing for home court advantage all season long. So I don't know. I, I think um, teams are always playing for that, and obviously the teams down the bottom are playing for the number one pick. So uh, there should be something to play for. So. I guess home court wouldn't be the worst idea, would it, Tyler? No, I mean, of course, it would never hurt. And just to kind of go back on that heat point, I think what the biggest factor of this kind of run has been has been their three-point shooting. I mean, it's finally up. It's been up 5.1% in the month of February, in which they went 10-5 and over the span. And their turnovers are down 2.4 a game, so – or 2.4% per game, I should say. But I wanted to go back to this, actually, back to the All-Star break. I can't believe Ryan didn't have a bigger point if this is your team for Bam Adebayo kind of getting snubbed this season. I don't know if this was already talked about in previous episodes, but, I mean, just a phenomenal season so far where he, of going back to my points about value over replacement and win share and stuff like that, he ranks 10th in the entire NBA, just overall getting it done. And it's been through his scoring and rebounding, of course, and he is up, and this isn't talked about enough, he's an 84% free throw shooter now, which for a team in those late-game situations, they can't hack a shack him anymore as he was a career 71%. Now he's up 84 So I think this Heat team really has a chance to keep rising up the ranks and get more home field like you guys are talking about. Yeah, I mean, I didn't, I didn't mention um, the fact that Bam was doing all this, mainly for the fact that he's always really been this productive like a lot of teams and a lot of uh, players outside the kind of the Heat fandom haven't really seen this from. Him. Obviously, seen it in the bubble, uh, where all eyes were really on him, him blocking Tatum and etc. But I think like if you're going to put him in this in the All Star game this year, I, I just you know I think Sabonis probably just edges him out because Sabonis is doing it by himself. I mean, Brogdon is is a bit of kind of shell of himself. T.J. Warren's out. Um, obviously you just got uh, Jeremy Lamb back but there's no real big names in Indiana whereas the Heat do have Jimmy so I think the whole fact that um, Jimmy and Bam were left out of it I'm not you know I'm not that surprised really um, mainly for the fact that they don't need it you know they use it as fuel to obviously do bigger and better things so yeah yeah I think for, I've, I've always been a big fan of Bam I think he's a standout center. And I think he's really, really good at his position. Um, Jimmy Butler speaks for himself. Um, I, I said last week, I think I said last week, it was the week before that, that he needed to find the Miami heat um, because they're the, probably the only team in the NBA that matches intensity. Um, and he's, he's found players that are willing to get behind him. Something he's not been able to, to have in the past when he's been at Chicago and Minnesota and, even Philadelphia. Um, So I think Jimmy is in such a good place to succeed. And that showed in the bubble because he took that team all the way. Um, And it, it was actually, I was, I was pulling for them. I really wanted them to, to win that title because I think Jimmy who had worked so hard suddenly had a core group of young players um, that was so good and they are good um, and even off the bench they've got like a, a really decent bench that can do a lot in terms of all-star Jimmy missed the first part of the, the season um, so I think that kind of counts him out 
in terms of the of Bam, I I mean you're I I would struggle to to have Julius Randle in there. Um, I, I did think that was an odd pick, um, but Vucevic, I think you have to have there um, because he's a, another player that has been with his team for a long time and does particularly well. He's the best player probably on that team. Um, so probably if you could drop, drop Randall uh, and have Bam in there, um, of, of that of that side of it, of the East side, that was the only name that kind of got brought into that that kind of surprised me. And that's where I would slot Bam in. Yeah, and that kind of yeah. comes down to how you view an all-star where it's like Julius Randle has kind of taken this team on his back. He has pieces, of course, around him. Like we say, like he has RJ Barrett and others, but when it comes to it, where Bam is the Robin to the Batman of Jimmy Butler, obviously. And you're right. They have so much depth. I mean, I always go back when I talk about this heat team where Tyler hero was getting all the love, especially when it came to the bubble time. I didn't even think he was the best rookie on that team. Kendrick Nunn was having a better season and really didn't get any credit because he wasn't as flashy of a player and didn't have as big of a confidence. So just kind of like looking at stuff like that, that's where you kind of see it where Julius Randle is the leader of the team in the secondary. So I guess, and, but yeah, no, I wouldn't have a problem with that swapping either way. I don't think many people would blink an eye at that. Yeah. I mean, I think that um, obviously Nunn came, came third in the, in the rookie standings. Which you know, I, he he deserved it after the kind of season he had, but I think in the in the kind of playoffs, it, he really did show his kind of inexperience, and I'm glad that he's got a bit of more of a run with uh, Dragic being out and Hero being out, and um, because Spolstra decided not to play him quite a lot of games this year just because of that kind of experience and because of how sh- like lack of depth that the Heat were he was really trying not to put them into a situation where he had to bail them out. He would rather the team figure out a way to win without having to overexert on a young guy like Nunn, who obviously does have flashes of kind of inexperience in this game. Yeah, and when you're a rookie, you have that. So um, uh, that he, he, again, is a player that's probably the right team to to help him through that. And um, you already seen Robinson and Earl kind of, who are both young players and Bam as well, still pretty young, um, growing to precious, pr- pr- pretty good players. Yeah. So, um, right, we'll take a quick break. Um, when we come back, um, we've got trade candidates, um, coming up to the trade deadline, and we'll also cover off Tyler's top five sports films of all. So by now, you'll have seen our website, atpsports.net. You're going to admit, it's pretty awesome. It was brought to you by the team at Data Squared. You can find them on the web, datasq2.co.uk. They're dedicated to bringing you the very best in website design, hosting, and security. Their aim is to provide you with the very best package you need to help you spread the word about your business. Data Squared will design and build a website for you. And they'll build it not just for desktop, but for all devices, so you can be seen on the move. Data Squared will help you choose your domain, making sure it's relevant to you and your business. And they'll open up an online store for you. They have the tools um, so you can keep track of customers, their orders, stock, and much, much more. So why not expand your business online today with Data Squared? Visit 
datasq2.co.uk. Tyler is still with us, as is Ryan, um, the, the jazz hater. So, um, talking about the jazz, uh, PJ Tucker is one of the players that has been talked about in trades. Uh, the Utah Jazz are one of many teams um, that are after his services. Obviously, uh, Houston is a bit of a, a crapshoot just now um, since Harden left. Um, the, the Rockets are nowhere near a playoff spot as it stands at the moment. Um, PJ Tucker, would he, where would he be a good fit at the moment, Tyler? That's a good point. Uh, that's a good question to kind of stump me on right now because he brings such an interesting aspect to it where he is as true of a 3 and D guy, but that he doesn't fit the mold at all, being so undersized, but just kind of a strength piece. So kind of adding... Just when you think of a forward, you think Brooklyn because they need that depth so much ever since Jared Allen kind of walked out the door. So kind of getting him some help there, giving DeAndre Jordan some help and maybe a team like the Clippers as well, kind of giving a little bit of help for that secondary unit for like Patrick Beverly to make like an all defensive team for the end of game stuff. If you want to have Kawhi Leonard out there, Paul George can hold his own just to have a unit like that. But he really is such a great player that can mesh into a lot of different units because anyone will always take the defensive ability and the fact that he is pretty much the most deadly shooter out of a corner in the NBA, I think the numbers back it up. So just to have an effective shooter like that, I think he'll fit any playoff team mold. Ryan, what about you? Would you you see him fit in one of your your teams? You think a Lakers would uh, would fit him nicely? Don't think the Lakers pass up on anyone really. Um, I think they they would take they would take any kind of heavy hitter like that if he was coming off the bench and providing a little bit of scoring and that kind of that that kind of doggish defense that he does provide as well. You know, he's just he's he's of the kind of ilk of Patrick Beverly, but he's a bit bigger, so he's he's obviously he can play a lot better in the kind of different positions. So I I don't think that any of the kind of top four in any East or West say, oh, we don't really need him. I think all teams would would jump at the chance if they could get him on a mid-level exception or something a little bit smaller. Yeah. Um, my tip is he's going to go to Golden State. I, I think that if you put him and Draymond Green together, I, I probably much like the, the same reason you'd see him at the Clippers, um, I think him and Draymond Green together would be formidable um, as a defensive pairing. I, I think you have him playing four, uh, four and five and then you bring in Wiseman and you drop them to three, four. And I think that is just a, a bit of a beast. You don't want to, you don't want your big men going up against both of them um, at the same time. So I think that'd be pretty, pretty harsh. Um, but I, I don't know why I just, I just have a feeling that that's where he potentially could end up. Um, a player that is a bit of a surprise to me that he's, he's kind of being talked about in trades is John Collins uh, from the Hawks. Um I always seen him, him and, and Trey Young as um, kind of the franchise players. Um, but we are starting to talk about him potentially being moved on from Atlanta. Um, is this uh, is this realistic that he does move on, on during this trade deadline, or is this just all talk around the NBA? I think I think this is a, a thing that's kind of been brewing over since Capella went to the the Hawks. Um, John Collins 
is a really useful piece for the Hawks, and he was their main centre last year. Um, but with the emergence of DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish, who are having good years and have shown that they can replace almost his kind of aspect of the of the kind of stretching floor game, and then Capella being the ultimate kind of rim blocker, um, I'm not surprised that he would be on the kind of chopping block. I thought that they would maybe try and move him near the start of the season, um, because I I kind of for for um, foreseen him having not as good a year this year mainly for the fact that they've got Gallinari now coming off the bench and that the Hunter was going to have a bigger role and Capel was obviously going to take up some minutes. So his role was always going to be reduced. So I'm surprised that the Hawks left it so late, basically, to think about kind of shopping around. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if John Collins does go to Houston. Um, him and Wood together, that would be an amazing kind of young, uh, kind of, you know, big duo to kind of go against. Another team that I think could really use a, a John Collins-type player would be Portland, mainly for the fact that they just seem to injure all their bigs, so a healthy one they would jump at. Uh, and the last one is Dallas. Now, Dallas might be a, a strange one to throw out there, um, but obviously one of the game, one of the names we're going to talk about probably after this might make, that, might make that make sense. Yeah, I mean, you talk pure player to player. That's a really good point about Dallas, and I – Actually, what I had written down here was Portland's because I agree with that wholeheartedly. And it just I, – I also agree with what you said. You had a good point, Ryan, where it was – they really did trade him at one of his lowest draft capitals. I mean, he's he was a flourishing player coming into the season, coming off of 21.6 points per game. His points are down. And the per 36-minute stuff, wherever you guys kind of stand on how much you value those numbers – are really kind of hurting him with his effective shooting down. He's down 2.4% on three-point attempts. And just overall, just his per usage is just really – he hasn't really been able to do much with the ball. And whether that is kind of playing with the new unit or Trey Young overall, it's just – it seems that things are starting to fall apart there. And he's not as young as we kind of remember him. I still always think of John Collins, a rookie or sophomore. But coming into this now, this is his fourth season, and – Time's ticking now, contract-wise, time's ticking now, what he's going to be-wise. So he's still a phenomenal player, and teams can get a lot out of him, and I think the Trailblazers would be a dream destination for him. Okay, then, Ryan. So so who was the player that you would uh, have him in for Dallas? Uh, well, the one that was kind of floated around was Chris Stapps. I don't know if you've seen this, but um, there was a lot of rumors saying that he was up on the, the trading block, and then... Mark Cuban said, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. We're not wanting to trade Chris Stapps. We love him here. And he came out and he's like, yeah, I love it here. I don't, I don't know what everyone's talking about. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Dallas do move on from Chris Stapps, just mainly for the fact that his injuries have kind of reoccurred this season. Uh, you know, he can't stay healthy. He can't stay in the court as much as he used to. Um, so I think he needs to have a good, you know, look at his health and see what's best for him. Um, I personally think that he might end up in somewhere like Cleveland. You know, Cleveland seems to be this kind of hub of young guys getting a second chance, a second go of it. Now, obviously, this would be the third chance for Porzingis after he uh, fought his way out of New York. Um, but, you know, I'd, I, I would hate to see him leave Dallas, but I think if Dontich and if uh, Cuban um, are serious about winning the championship in the next one or two years, something has changed there. I I definitely agree, and 
I am a huge supporter of Christoph Porzingis. If he can stay healthy, I think that for one, I think he should be a little bit jealous that Giannis Antetokounmpo gets to play the style of basketball and have the team built around him and him basically take the ball up the floor and have four shooters surrounded about him. If you took Christoph Porzingis and put him in that same situation, I think you would get two MVP seasons out of him too. They are that comparable of players size-wise, scoring-wise. I think, and Christoph Porzingis is even a better shooter. So to kind of see that happen, I I wish he could have done that when he was still at the Knicks. So if they sent him to a team like Cleveland or somewhere else kind of to rebuild and he were the central center point, I think a team that could possibly do that as well is I've seen a lot of trade rumors where the Sacramento Kings kind of just blow it up and start sending away their talent. I hope they don't do that, but if they do and they wanted to get a Porzingis in and kind of surround him by players like this, I mean, if they kept Buddy Heald, for example, he was the quickest player to get to a thousand made three-pointers just the other day. So he's been a knockdown shooter. So kind of just to surround him in that way would be huge. And I think that there is still a lot of quality basketball in Porzingis. Yeah, I think there is. I think his time in New York was marred by Phil Jackson and the yeah. triangle. Um, I think he's <laughs> he is a standout player and he is such a good shooter like his shooting is, is particularly good for the size of a guy that he is um and we've got to remember he is only 25 years old yep. i mean he is still young in comparison i mean look at Doncic; he's only three years younger than him which is hard to believe given that luca looks like he's 12 but yeah. you know he's <laughs> um he does he just looks like a little kid but um, he's like he's 30 though yeah, yeah please yeah please <laughs> please like a vet um and that, i mean that's something that you could say for Prasengus as well i mean Prasengus yeah. when he first came in he he looked like he was just ready to go um and yeah injuries have, have slowed him down somewhat over the last two or three years but hopefully um there's like the end of tunnel i would hope that dallas hold on to him um because i think what they're what they've built there um is really good. Um, I'm a fan of Mark Cuban, um, but I do know that he likes a misdirect. Um, so when he says, yeah, yeah, he's brilliant here. No, no, we love him. There's no problem. There, he's probably on his phone as he walks down the street. Yeah, like we need to get him out of here. So um, so there's every possibility that that, that is the case. Um, now, Tyler, you were on before, but we, we didn't do your top five sports films of all time. So we will do them now for you. Um, so we go five to one. Finish off with your, your top one. Um, and it can be any sports film. doesn't have to be basketball. So are you, are you ready for this? Oh, I'm ready. Okay. okay. So, so what is your number five? Starting with number five, I got to go Miracle. Start on the ice with this one. I think just one of the first movies I can remember as a kid and I could still watch it today. And there's no parts that really like are too childish for me like the speech is all time from herb in the locker room before the game just phenomenal film yeah i'm a, I'm a big fan of uh what who do you play for um that, yes. that was i love that on the ice and you know even at first i was watching i was like well, what's he doing he's asking them who they play for yeah. and it wasn't till like it, they were on the ice and against it was in norway or whatever and they lost and and he was doing it i was like ah i get i get what he's doing here i can, I can see it um what's your number four number four i will go to basketball now i gotta go hoosiers good good old film um and just such a cool message i mean just that that's just a classic i don't know what to say about that one yeah. <laughs> gene gene hackman 
plays a, a pretty formidable coach. Um, and yeah, I, I, I'm a big fan of that film as well. Uh, you're number three. Number three, I go to remember the Titans. Remember is the top football one I have on here. And just going back to our first topic of the day with some of the racial ties and the Lynn aspect, just watch that. I mean, that just yeah. is just such a wholehearted, united kind of connecting film. Yeah, it's amazing how sports can galvanize and bring people together. So Absolutely. no, that is a really good example of that. Um, and your number two. My final two are both baseball. I, I've told you before, I'm a, baseball is far and none my favorite. I got to go Field of Dreams for the number two one. And just another one, another classic that I could, if it's on TV, I have to watch it. So Field of, Dreams is, Field of Dreams has come up a number of times um, for sure. Um, Kevin Costner is a big baseball fan himself. And, you know, yeah. he's done a few baseball films. I love all of them that he's in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And your number one. For number one, the newer one, I got to go Moneyball. And just, I, I've heard a lot of mixed reviews on it. I personally love it. And I know it doesn't tell the full truth, of course, but that kind of got me into not only like front office stuff and being interested in that, but it had me buy the book. It had me learn up on analytics. And sure enough, now I'm a nerd. Now I'm fully submerged myself into all the heavy set numbers that I sometimes rattle off on this show and others. So it's really kind of changed my outlook on sports, honestly, but just pure movie wise, it's phenomenal. Yeah. I'm a, I'm an Oakland A's fan. So um, I, I am a big fan of Moneyball. Uh, My parents live in the Bay area. Um, So my stepdad, he lived through Moneyball, even though he's a Dodgers fan, um, the, the A's were his local team. So he, he, we'd go to games and stuff at the Oakland Coliseum. So um, he was pretty much rude in Oakland. Um, and I went to a Giants um, A's game. Um, that was pretty phenomenal as well. So um, unfortunately, they're doing what they they kind of always do in, this year and have uh, started getting rid of a few players. Chris Davis was, is away. I was just about to say, I love the aspect of Moneyball kind of showing like little market teams, this, that, the next thing, kind of the Rays model now in baseball, not to dive too deep, but just please don't buy it. They should not be a smaller market team. Fisher is the top five richest owners in baseball. And I feel terrible because for a majority of the fan base, he's kind of manipulated their minds to say, yeah, we're, we do it cheap. We do, we only spend a quarter what the Yankees spend this, that, the next thing. Never reward your owner for not spending money in a sport where there's no salary cap just yeah spend the money keep chris davis keep marcus simeon come on i know names that we really needed i mean chris davis had some injury issues last season and and that was unfortunate but um i've got chris davis jerseys so i I was gutted when he he moved on but yes exactly but thank you so much for that so that's your top five sports films what we'll do is we'll take a, a short break and then myself and ryan will be right back Okay, we're back. Um, unfortunately, Tyler has had to, to nip off to work, um, even though he's a student, you know, still got to pay his way. Um, so we're back and we're going to finish off uh, with the trade um, candidates. Now, one of those candidates you have, Ryan, is Kyle Lowry. Yeah, probably one of the bigger names uh, from, our, from our list there. Uh, obviously, a lot of the chat from Toronto is they don't want to move him. 
He doesn't want to move. He's basically the whole face of that franchise, even though uh, Freddie's been obviously chipping at his heels the whole year. Uh, I personally don't think he does move, but there is a lot, a lot of heavy rumours around him going to somewhere like Philly or to LA, probably to the Clippers rather than the Lakers. Um, what's your take on where Kyle might end up or where he might not go? I think he's one of these players that will probably get a bit of a say um, because there will be more than one offer um, for someone with his talent. Um, I actually think he'll stay in Toronto. I don't think he'll leave. Um, I think Toronto made a, a bit of a bum note when it came to DeMar DeRozan um, and that trade to the Spurs. So I think that hasn't has never sat well with um, the fans in Toronto. Yes, they got to Kawhi Leonard. Yes, they, they got a title. But I think there was still a bit of a bad taste in the mouth because the fans loved DeMar DeRozan. And yeah, they got a title, but they knew that that was only going to be a year. Um, Nick Nurse has managed to, you know, have a pretty good season last year, even with the pandemic and everything else um, with that team. But yeah, I still see him. I think Fred Van Vliet is brilliant, and I think he's probably the future of the franchise. Um, but I, I actually, it's a weird one. I actually think that um, Kyle Lowry will finish his career in Toronto. I don't. I don't think he's one of these players that goes ring chasing. He already has one for a start, so it's not something that he really needs to do. Yeah, I, I. Kind of selfishly, I really do hope he does stay in Toronto because I have him on my fantasy league team. So him putting up those monster, monster of numbers night in and night out. <laughs> of course, he can't not take Kyle Lowry. He's just he's, he's the man. Like, um, so yeah, I'm just I'm hoping he does stay mainly for the fact that after him having a kind of rocky start to his career, he really found a home in Toronto, and I think it would be you know really kind of justice for him to have his his number retired and have his kind of bat his his uh, shirt in the rafters and stuff in Toronto. Yeah, I, I see that happening. Like I see that I see him finishing his career in Toronto and then the start of the next season they're retiring his jersey. So um I I think that's a it's a weird one to see him kind of mentioned in trades. If he was gonna go somewhere I don't know if it would be the Clippers and I struggle to think it would be a contender because if you look at the contenders, the point guard position is pretty solid. Um, I mean, even the Lakers use LeBron uh, as a point guard more, more often than not anyway. So um, I don't know. Maybe you've got to think as well as salary is pretty pretty substantial. Um, so it's, it's where you would actually fit him in. That's why I just don't see him leaving. I think he's, he's comfortable in Toronto, much like DeMar was. Um, and like I say, I, I I think it'd be one of these, you fool me once, yeah, fair enough. Um, fool me twice. And I think the Toronto fans may have a have a bit of a fit. That's very true, very true. I think he only has one year on his contract though. So I think that might be, that may be why they're thinking of, of moving on, which would be a real shame for him. But I think if he does go, he probably does go to Philly because obviously he's from Philly. Um, as you were saying, a lot of the contenders are kind of filled up with their point guards. Now, I know you're not the biggest fan of the, of the Philadelphia 76ers point guard. So would you consider that a bit of an upgrade if they if they moved uh, Simmons over a little bit and put Kyle as a starting point guard? 
I think you'd have an actual point guard playing point guard. Um, <laughs> it's a good start. Um, it, it is probably the only team that he would fit in. Being from Philadelphia, maybe that is the right move. Um, if there is going to be one. Um, but I think it's going to be tough for um, Philadelphia. I think the only good thing is if it is just one year he's got left his contract, um, you're probably going to get him pretty cheaply thereafter because he's probably had his big contract now. Um, so you probably could get him at a discounted rate if he re-signs with them as well. And that goes for Toronto as well. I mean, they could keep him and, and probably pay him less and open up a bit of cap space elsewhere. Yeah, the old, the old dirt handshake deal. Yes, I exactly. can see that. Or Wade that. Wade or whoever. Um, <laughs> now you, you you've been talking to me um, off air about some blunders um, towards the end of games. Um, why don't you run us through those? Yeah, I think um, obviously you're talking about the correct move and the right move. A lot of these games have not been the right moves. Um, obviously, one of the first ones would have been Jamal Murray. Um, getting the rebound, running up the, the court, just needing a two at the end of a close game against the Wizards, hoping that one of the four teammates he has with him cuts to the basket and they all span out for the three-point line. And he has to loop a pass between, uh, I'm pretty sure it was Russell Westbrook and possibly Rui Hachimura. And they were, they were just very happy taking a three at the end of the game. Yeah. Um, it is a weird one when you see some of these kind of late plays um, and you kind of think, what's the coach thinking here? Um, you do see it from time to time, but I think, like you said, um, it's probably happened quite a number of times over the last kind of week or two. Yeah, so that was that was one where they needed a two to tie and a three to win. Now, they had time to drive into the paint for a two and they decided to take a three and the guy they got it to, um, Facundo uh, Compazzo, is an okay-ish three-point shooter, but he wasn't obviously the guy you want to be taking the last three-point shot. No. So obviously the next the next one up um, would be well, I'm pretty sure it was the same night actually. Um, it would was the New Orleans Pelicans who were down by three. Um, kind of a reverse situation here. They need a three. They're down with six seconds left by three. You've got the ball in Lonzo's hands. Now, obviously, we all know Lonzo isn't a great three-point shooter every single night. But on this night, he was 60%. It's in his hands. He's got no good defender in front of him. He passes up to another very deadly three-point shooter, Brandon Ingram, who then decides to drive into the paint instead of taking a game-tying three-point shot with six seconds left. This whole play then ultimately unfolds with Brandon Ingram getting an offensive foul called on him and the game is pretty much done. Now that was a big, big one because they could have knocked off the Bucks in that game. Yeah, um, I think as well, the Pelicans are a young team and I think there's obviously a bit of uh, maturity there that needs to kind of grow with that young team. Um, obviously it's half of what the Lakers were a couple of years ago before the AD trade. But um, I, I think it is, that one, I think, is a learning curve. Um, it's a bit of a blunder by the coach. You would hope he would have his guys kind of, yeah, we needed three guys. Um, let's not far about. I don't know if maybe he was looking for the foul. Um, and that's, obviously, it's, it's went the other way. So um, it's never, never a good sign. 
Um, big news coming out of the NBA tonight, first um, of March, well, this afternoon in, in the US, as Joachim Noah is set to retire from basketball after a 13-year career in the NBA. Uh, the 36-year-old plans to eventually retire as a member of the Chicago Bulls, uh, where he spent, obviously, the majority of his career. He was a two-time NBA All-Star and named Defensive Player of the Year in 2013-14. In 13 seasons, he averaged 8.8 uh, 8 point, eight point, sorry, 8.8 8 points, uh, um, nine rebounds per game. He pl last played in the NBA with the Los Angeles Clippers for just five games last season. Um, this is... I mean, he's had a lot of injury problems. This has probably been a long time coming, you would have to say. I don't know if you've ever looked at Joachim Noah's training regimes that he used to go through to be that kind of NBA all-defensive player. Um, some, of the, some of the routines he used to go through, um, doing weights underneath water, um, you know, putting, he's one of the, the kind of original guys who were always, you know, really pushing himself to his ultimate max. Now, I was quite surprised that he lasted this long after such a long time with Tibbs. I, I was kind of looking back at our conversations earlier about what Tibbs does does to players. He's one of these kind of iron men who just seem to just, you know, grit it out and just get on with it, even if he was dealing with multiple, multiple injuries. Um, I personally still have a slight inkling that Tibbs might pick up the phone and say, look, Joachim, you want to just play a couple against the New York Knicks? You've already on the books here. Come on, we need we need our big guy. Yeah, he does like Bills players, if you've mentioned. Um, I'm just getting some news uh, from the Atlanta Hawks. Um, they fired their head coach Lloyd Pierce. Um, they've kind of put out a statement. We'd like to thank Lloyd for his uh, commitment, not only to the Hawks organization but the city of Atlanta. Um, he and his wife Melissa are tremendous people, um, who've made a positive impact throughout the city. Um, that was said by Travis Schilling, um in a press release. Um, they've not announced uh, who will take over at the moment, but um, that's uh, that's a big big firing quite early on. I mean, we were only talking about John Collins as, as one of the a trade piece uh, just a, a few moments ago. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not surprised that the Hawks obviously they had a. They had a real hope this year to obviously be in the hunt for the playoffs. Now, they are still, you know, in that kind of playoff region. Um, what I am more surprised at is the fact that he got fired, yet Luke Walton is still in a job. <laughs> what is going... Every single week, I'm talking about this guy. and It's not just me. I'm pretty sure there's other uh, podcasters and other critiques of Luke Walton out there, uh, especially after last night's... He had a, a similar blunder where the Charlotte Hornets beat them, uh, even though they were down something like nine points with a, less than a minute and a half to go, and they still have, they still managed to, you know, mess that one up. So Luke Walton still there. You've got your Hawks guy getting fired. It's not. I don't think it's the right decision. I think with the amount of injuries and stuff this year for for Atlanta and the the massive roster overhauls, they could have given them more time. I think uh, Luke Walton has become the Adam Gaze of the. The NBA, Adam Gaze was with the Jets, and yeah, it took the, the Jets a while to fire him um, after they went on like a 12-game losing streak um, this season. Um, yeah, look, well, I've always been a fan of his. I mean, he did a good job in Golden State. Yes, he did have a particularly good team to coach, um, but 
I always thought he had a bit of a bum deal in, deal in LA. Um, and I think it was more that certain individuals didn't like him rather than, um, and were basically out to get him from, from when they stepped into their posts um, and get him replaced anyway. So um, I would much rather have seen Luke Walton still in LA. But such is life. He's in Sacramento. And now Lloyd Pierce has, has moved on. There is a rumour um, I'm seeing that Nate Robinson uh, could be the interim head coach. Um, that Nate, Nate Robinson, former uh, Nate McMillan. In- Sorry, Nate McMillan, say. yeah. Um, <laughs> former yeah, Slamdunk champion, Nate Robinson. <laughs> yeah, that would be awesome. Um, <laughs> Adrian Wojnowski is uh, reporting on Twitter that that is... Uh, Nate McMillan, sorry, um, could be the interim head coach. Um, yeah, it makes sense. Not, not yet be uh, confirmed because McMillan um, is a fiercely loyal in his support of Pierce um, since Pierce has left. So um, that that'll be an interesting one. So we've got a coaching spot opened up. We'll see how that that pans out for next week. Coming up to All Star Weekend, um, obviously there's lots of time to to look for a new coach um, over that weekend. So we'll see see how that pans out for them. Um, other than that, Ryan, thank you so much for, for joining us. Um, and uh, we'll be back next week. Thanks very much for having us. Have a nice week, folks. Huge thank you to Tyler for coming on the show again. We're going to have him back. Um, you heard him there talking baseball. Um, obviously, we've got the Across the Pond Major League Baseball um, podcast coming very soon. Um, so we'll definitely have to have him on there. Um, loves Moneyball, as do I. Um, big thank you to Ryan. Um, each week he, he brings his A-game um, and his knowledge of the NBA is second to none. Um, I think we found some really good hosts um, across our podcast network. So um, great to have him. Um, if you want to get in touch with us, you can do so. Across the Pond um, Sports Network on Instagram and on Facebook at um, ATP Sports Pod on Twitter and at Across the Pond on um, Instagram as well. So we've got lots going on. Um, so keep following us, and we've got a show, an extra show, bonus show this week. Um, so look out for that as well. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.